Tune in to the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Be a part of this challenging but life-changing show discussing men versus males, educational issues, parenting tips, and learning how to be faithful in trying times. That's the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Call in and be a part of the show at 347-855-8867 on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Remember, positive communication is the key to success. Powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Welcome to another episode of Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. I want to thank you again for tuning in to this, what I believe to be this most important platform as we continue to endeavor to bring to your attention topics, guests, news, and discussion on issues that we believe are not just of local and regional importance, but at times are of a global concern. We are becoming an increasingly global society. Bridging the Gap is the type of show that I believe is about bridging the gap, not just here in Columbia, South Carolina, but way beyond our shores. We are um, we can post a message, a video, a tweet from our living rooms in the United States. And within a matter of a few minutes, that message could be viral and receive attention and responses from thousands of miles away on other continents. This can and does happen in real time. Issues that were once considered or experienced as territorial concerns, particular to your zip code or your area code are now quickly becoming issues that all of us can relate to regardless of our station in the world. Uh, So Bridge Builders, I thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing this broadcast. Thank you for just sticking with us. We took some time off during COVID-19, but we're back and we're wanting to launch even greater, a greater platform. Um, So if you are listening today, you have a business, you have a product, you have a service, you have an event, and you desire to advertise with us, I encourage you to reach out to us at kingdombookandgift at gmail.com. That is all lowercase, all one word, kingdombookandgift at gmail.com. No spaces. And let us know. Spell it all out. Kingdom, spell out A-N-D, and gift, kingdombookandgift at gmail.com. And let us know your interest in advertising with us. Again, gaps are closing in several sectors of our society. And we hope that here on Bridging the Gap, we can discuss and hear about some efforts and initiatives that are being used to bridge these gaps that can, in fact, be duplicated either in the large scale or the small scale to further close the gaps that divide us. Today's guest on Bridging the Gap, today's guest um, is someone that is not a stranger to us, certainly not a stranger to myself. Um, is one of those voices and personalities in the community that I know personally has been working to connect the dots, I would call it that, and build consensus, unity, and collaborative focus on issues 
that can not only make North and Central Columbia, South Carolina, a better place for people to live, regardless of their socioeconomic needs and status, but also a place where our schools can be lauded for their tremendous work to prepare our scholars for college and careers beyond secondary education. So I want to introduce to some and just present to others my good friend, Ms. Regina Williams. First, I want to say congratulations to you uh, for being a recent recipient of the Jefferson Award. I would like you to introduce yourself, give us a brief background on your work and tell us what it meant to you to receive that award. Well, um, good afternoon. And, you know, first, because I've known you in all capacities and, and you are one of my spiritual leaders, you know, sometimes I get conflicted. Okay. Are you <laughs> Hugh? Are you uh doc, doctor, um, are you pastor today? No, no, today I'm just Hugh. Today I'm just Hugh. Today you're Hugh. Okay. Well, um, I am Regina Williams, Regina E. Williams. And um, I, I say... I laugh about that because people say, oh, you put that E in there. I say, yes, please remember that E because uh, you, you may see it one day pretty soon, something I'm praying on. Right. But um, I am retired from education after 30 years. And, you know, really, I retired after I realized that I could not create change in my community from within in the confines of the educational system. When my hands started getting spanked for doing what was right or for seeing things that were 1950-ish and 60-ish, mm. then, and, um, and my hands were spanked for, for questioning that, I said, you know, that's interesting. And so I could tell that um, that that was going to be a sore spot because as soon as I started questioning those things, they immediately moved me about 20 miles out of the city to go to work. Mm. Then I had surgery on my leg and they moved me another 30 miles. Wow. And so that meant that my daughter, who was driving me, would have to drive those miles, wait all day to bring me back. Wow. So I said, okay, let me make this. This is God talking. Mm -hmm. And so let me make the best of this. So I retired and uh, started working really hard in the city of Columbia. Well, I really started in our neighborhood. Um, my mission now is to revive the village. As president of Booker Washington Heights neighborhood, I create partnerships and I empower our once complacent community to participate in the renaissance of this historic area. And I'm also the founder of Positive Pathways, which is a, a nonprofit, and I support parents, schools, and encourage positive engagement of families with schools, especially in the area of special education and 
creating IEPs for children. Awesome. Awesome. I know a little bit about your background. I know your passion and your desire to be a change agent here in Columbia, South Carolina, but I know you're not originally from Columbia, South Carolina. So when you first started getting involved in community affairs, was it something that you saw your parents do, um, I believe in Virginia, uh, or was it something for you that grew out of a personal necessity to to see things better for you and yours? Well, oddly enough, and that that's a, that's another lesson uh that that can be learned i am originally from columbia south carolina okay. born and raised i was born right here at fort jackson my parents met my dad was here in the military okay. they were actually married 5 years and then they divorced a few years after i was born okay. their relationship was such that I was always, my summers, the day after school closed, I was in Virginia. Mm. And the day, and I, my, all of my summer clothes were purchased. The day before school opened, I was coming back to South Carolina. And all of my school clothes were purchased. So I, had, I live, I'm a dual because of the, the relationships that I've and the bonds that those two divorced families had. Yes. So um, to say that in the summers, my grandmother in Virginia would participate and was a very important part of the West Munden South Norfolk Civic League. Mm. Uh, She was a uh, beautician. So she would always be in there talking politics with her, um, with her clients. And and so that was what I saw. We had funeral homes in Virginia. So I was able to to see how they engaged with the public there and how they had to have public engagement and trust in order Mm -hmm. to work their business here. My grandmother here. uh, I was the first the oldest grandchild. So I would see my grandmother. I would go to work with her. She started working in the schools in 1964, the year I was born. Mm-hmm. And she would come home. Or I would go with her in the summers. We'd get on that bus. I'd pretend like I was in um, a school teacher. And that's how I started wanting to be a school teacher. Then in the winter, she'd come home. She'd have, um, she'd shake out the book that the yeah. teachers had thrown away and shake out those pencil shavings. And we'd sit there and we would read. Mm. And, and that's how she taught us to read. Now, this was a woman who actually stopped school in the 11th grade. And, but she was determined that her grandchildren were going to do these things. Now, my mother was around, but she was working. The other thing is my grandmother would pay for taxis. To mm-hmm. take people to the polls. Wow. Now, this is my grandmother here who was a uh, custodian. Wow. Wow. But she made sure people here got to the polls to vote. Wow. You So you have a rich heritage background in activism, in community uplift, 
and all of these kinds of things on both sides of your family, as you as you uh, just ably described. And as I was thinking about it, Virginia, and I was reading just a few months ago about, you know, the, this new, uh, and, I, and I think it's a great thing, revival of research into thriving Black communities, um, mm-hmm. similar to um, Black Wall Street. And I yeah. understand that there was a town, in, there was a part of Richmond, Virginia, that was considered a Black Wall Street that was ultimately destroyed by the majority mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because they were upset about how successful those people of color had become in that particular community. So it's interesting to hear somebody that has roots in both of those here in, in both Colombia and Colombia itself. Within Colombia itself, there were pockets of black wealth and black success Um that I'm reading about and I'm still researching and we're still learning about in, a, in, in 2022. So um, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, we're going to take a few moments for a commercial. You're listening to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. I'm talking to a good friend, Miss Regina E. Williams. She is a 30-year uh, educator, uh, retired 30-year educator, president of the Booker Washington community, um, an activist, a, a person that just has a heart and a passion for the, the community at large, for just seeing this place revived and brought back to, to the former glory that it once had. So we're going to take a few minutes and we'll be right back with our guests. We're calling all artists, authors, event planners, community leaders with a compelling story and those interested in being guest columnists in the Carolinas' newest lifestyle magazine, Restore, our mantra is living, loving, and making moves the kingdom way. Get promoted, marketed, and published in this new magazine at the best rates in the business. Restore magazine is offered in both print and digital formats. Email us at kingdombookandgift at gmail.com. All one word, kingdombookandgift, all lowercase, at gmail.com, all spelt out, kingdom, book, and gift at gmail.com for details and an advertising quote. Again, we're calling all artists, authors, event planners, business leaders, community leaders, faith leaders with a compelling story and those interested in being guest columnists in the Carolina's newest lifestyle magazine, The Restore Magazine, where our mantra is living, loving, and making moves the kingdom way, get promoted, marketed, and published in this new magazine at the best rates in the business. Restore Magazine, again, is offered in both print and digital formats. Email us at kingdombookandgift at gmail.com for details and an advertising quote. Welcome back to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. We are on today with a very special guest, Miss Regina E. Williams, the president of the Booker Washington um, community. And uh, just to talk about not only the Booker Washington community, but her work at large here in the community. We are in this particular recording. We're right at the end of February going into March. March is Women's History Month. And I think it's just, you know, awesome to celebrate women at large um, there are all, all many famous women that we hear about, but there are also some 
famous women right among us that are not necessarily famous yet. And, and I believe that this is one of those. She's one of those people. Um, as we dig deeper into her story, I pray that y'all will continue to share this broadcast, tell people about it and invite others to listen with you. We met several years ago in public education sector. Um, we worked on the same grade level, the middle school level, and we both saw some tragic things taking place individually and, and, and we individually and collectively tried in our own way, not just as a grade, but as a school to address some of those challenges head on. I remember when we worked together at Gibbs Middle School, I, I, I really was, you know, impressed with the staff, the leadership and all the things that we were attempting to do, regardless of the negative stereotype characterization that that school and those students and that community had had garnered. What do you see as the responsibility of unelected individuals in a neighborhood like like ourselves, regular working class citizen who's just wanting to mind their own business? What would you say is our responsibility to our neighbors? Well, Hugh, um, to piggyback off of um, your your last comment, mm -hmm. when uh, you were talking about uh, the revitalization of neighbor neighborhoods, I'm not sure if many people know that Booker Washington Heights at one time was its own township with its mm -hmm. own form of government mm. until 1927, which was just a few years after the bomb, the Tulsa bombing. And mm. we were sued by the city of Columbia and made to be annexed into Columbia. Wow. But, yes. So when you talk about the Black Wall Street and I talk about the Renaissance, this is my hopes and dreams for this neighborhood. So to tie all of that in, that is how neighborhoods thrived by regular working class citizens living together mm -hmm. and taking a responsibility for each other. It wasn't just a, well, you're, that's not my child. I mind my business. Right. Sat on that porch. And it isn't new to have single parents. That's, say that again, because we act like this is a 21st century thing. This ain't, this, especially in our community, this ain't new. But look, 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 this ain't new. Ain't nothing new about it. We had parent families uh, who had to leave to get better jobs. Mm -hmm. We had parents, uh, fathers who were, uh, or people who were on the chain gang who have been falsely accused mm. who were away. Um, so, but we still had that community. Right. And Miss, Miss Irene or whoever sat on that porch in the afternoon and waited till every child got into that house and don't let them come back out because when your mom or who, your auntie or whoever was raising you, walk down that street off of that city bus, they got a report. Mm, mm. They got a report. And you'd better hope that it was a good report. So I just I just feel that our, 
you know, re responsibility is just different. It's different now. And we have to be more brave mm. because our young folk who are raising and having the children, yes. a lot of them don't have the same village mindset. Right. And they're so protective of the children that they react instead of responding. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, well, your child, um, I, I love your child. I love your son. I don't want anything to happen to these children out here. I saw him with, mm -hmm. depending on the mindset of that person, you could get a good cussing out. Mind your business. Right. Right. And you know that's not how we, how we, um, how we used to do things, at all. Absolutely. So I just believe that now, with the onslaught of 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 these types of, of things, we have to continue to be very prayerful. We have to know our communities. We have to know our people. We have to know the culture mm -hmm. of our communities. That's very important. And we shouldn't be afraid to form bonds with these young folk because they love people who care for them, mm, mm. especially our children. That's right. Our children will come and sit on our porches. If they know that you're going to, you know, be there and you're going to show them you love them. Right. They're going to give you just as much love back. But you've got to see through this exterior shell. Mm. <laughs> you have to. You have to. Because that's, and, what, that's what scares yeah. people. And, and, and you, you, you and Lady Harmon, during that time when we were working in the public schools, yes. you all were so... Oh my goodness, you you don't know how you I don't even know the word you you influenced me, you impressed me because you quietly went by went about the business of the Lord. You were out there um in the neighborhood in the afternoons. I'm like, how do these children know him so? <laughs> you all set up a table. You you gave things to the children they came to find you and you did not live directly in that neighborhood did not I did not but you loved and you impressed me so so it was during that time that I said I can do this with the children also this is why they love him so you didn't have any problems in your classroom not at all. I, I try to treat everybody the same, and and you know what? Let me let me let me rephrase that because that's not true. <laughs> that's a lie. Uh, the truth is, you know, you figure out which kids need to be loved more. Yes, and you do that unashamedly. Yes. And so I did that unashamedly. I knew there were things that happened in my class that I knew if it happened in somebody else's class, they would have been thrown out. They would have been suspended. They would have been, you know, all kinds of things would have happened to them. But I knew I was their last chance. Hugh, Hugh, 
Remember when the children would get in trouble? And I know this, but, but they come running down to our, our hall. Exactly. <laughs> and by the time the principal or somebody got down to our hall, if they weren't in, if the child wasn't in my room, They'll if the child was, They'll be under and, control. And they would walk on away. Now they may handle them later. Right. But at that point, they knew the child was safe and okay. That's right. That's right. And I, and, I you know, that's what I, that's what I miss. That's what I think is necessary in our school system. Um, I, COVID obviously threw a wrench in that and maybe uh, magnified some of the issues, but it's still the same approach is necessary. Um, and so I loved it. I loved it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. I know that you're someone who doesn't just vote in every election, which is something I always impress on people. It doesn't, we shouldn't be waiting every four years to vote. There's there's several elections happening between that four-year juncture that you should be attending to and that will directly affect your and influence and impact your life. But I know that you campaign for candidates that you support. You also volunteer to work the polls from time to time. How important would you say is civic engagement and involvement beyond the voting booth? And, and especially for those people who would say, well, my vote don't matter. What, what do you say to people like that? I tell you what, if we haven't found out within the last few years how important engagement is, mm -hmm. engagement is very important. The most important election, and I was, I was trying to think, the most important election in any city is the election of your neighborhood president. Mm. Because that person lives right there in the neighborhood mm -hmm. and knows what the neighborhood needs mm -hmm. and can advocate for the neighborhood on the next level, which may be city or city, um, county council. Right. Right. So then you have someone at county council or city council that's that's in charge of your water bill. Right. right. Your 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 tax assessments. Mm. Then you have that person that you can hold accountable for your state positions. Now we're looking at the amount of monies that's coming back into the communities for schools wow. or for infrastructure. That's it. But if you do not have that right person on that initial level to voice your opinions and you hold that person accountable and that person holds the next person accountable, you're going to not get what you could get. You're not going to be served as well as you could be served. I mean, um, love President Biden, but President Biden doesn't know that I live in a food desert. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't know how far I have to go to get fresh vegetables. Clueless to that. Wow. Wow. So that's that's the um, that's the importance of civic engagement and please 
I hope folk don't say that their votes don't count because right here in the last election, we had a person in another city that won by five votes. Five. Five. Now, when you get to the presidential election and you're talking about the electoral college, that's a little different. And people are really wanting to change that now. Right. Especially considering what we heard that our former president did or try to do and try to create false um, electoral college ballots and votes and electoral voters, all kind of mess. And so I think it's important we vote as much as we can, as often as we can. Those that have the capacity to vote, go out there and vote. Those that have challenges, especially a criminal background, or do whatever you need to do to get your record cleared so you can vote and and ultimately go go even further and if you feel you have gone through some experiences and develop enough wisdom and understanding connections run for office sometimes running for office you could offset somebody else who may have been planted to run for office to hmm. the wrong reasons and so you know People got to, we got to think strategically in this season, in this hour. We we must, you are absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, We've got, we've got to be strategic about what we're doing. The thing now is um, pitting, and I will say pitting, Mm -hmm. um, us against each other. That's it. So you have one African-American running. Then you have another African-American right. right. Absolutely. Tearing the vote up. That's that's splitting the vote. And and even this situation nationally with this nomination for Supreme Court justice, we have Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, one mm-hmm. African-American woman. Then we have the African-American woman from here in South Carolina. Her name escapes me now, but I am not for pitting two black women against each other. J. Michelle Childs is, yes. is, is her name. I, I'm just not for that. If we're going with one, we're going with one. Let's not try to compare, contrast. And, you know, this is an opportunity for, again, history to be made. And again, people belittle history making. Oh, it's not enough. And But it's a start. It's interesting that we're in 2022 and we're talking about an African-American first. Still, <laughs> in 2022. But, you know, as it stands, you know, I, she has my full support and and we'll go from there. Well, Hugh, that goes along with the way we used to do things. We used to go down into the church basements mm-hmm. and we would have our slates of candidates mm. and we would see which candidate would be the best fit mm. for this particular election. And if the other candidates were not chosen, then, okay, we're still going to support wholeheartedly the one that was chosen. Amen. We come come out of those church basins. We go down looking cute, hair all done. We come out, they'd come out with looking like they just jumped out of a wrestling match. But we'd be together. Yes, yes. Yes. And this is what is happening. They separate us and then they put another person 
who in the middle. All of the other votes. All of the other votes. <laughs> I know it. Then too, you know, you know, we have some of us who think that um the the other persuasions water is cooler than ours. Oh, oh well. That's okay. another message all by itself. That's another message all by itself. They that they Kool-Aid sweeter and they, they tea and they coffee is, you know, got the right amount of sugar yes. milk, the whole yes. nine yards. I know, I know. You you but you know, you know. It's and, and and I'm a pastor in the body and the body of Christ, that's our challenge. I heard. And this is a little bit off topic, but I heard T.D. Jakes, I think it was, I talked about it many years ago in, a, in an interview. He talked about, you know, they were questioning him and how he's now the new Billy Graham. They call him the, the new version of Billy Graham. Hmm. He made the point of, well, you know, for many years, um, Black people would make a white man, a mega pastor before they ever do that for a black person. And his point was, I can, I can become mega or I am mega, not because of white people. I'm mega because of black people and some white people have come along for the ride versus <laughs> the white pastor who becomes mega pastor in a black church. Mm. And people see nothing wrong with it, but there are some white people that will balk at sitting under a black pastor, which is unfortunate. There, the time that we're living in is very unfortunate because we're supposed to be serving the same God, preaching the same gospel, the same God that you know that made us all in in our differences, and you know, and declares that we're all made in His image and after His likeness. But that's another message altogether. But that that gives me a good segue. As a woman of faith, and I don't say that sparingly or nonchalantly, because being a woman of faith is not about an office in a church, but it is rather about demonstrated evidence of how you live your life. What would you say is a role of religious institutions like the church, like parachurch organizations, in this mandate to uplift our communities? Because I've heard it said, we have churches in communities and most of the congregation don't even live in the community. They venture there on Sunday, they get back in their cars and they go back to where they live. What more should the churches be doing? Okay. I know it's it's a it's a it's a sharp question now. It's a sharp question. Well, uh, you know it, it's it, it's hard for me to say this, and I know that that we'll we'll talk about it, mm-hmm. at, you know, later on. Right. But not but and my opinion, and it's just my opinion, um, is that the churches should be should tear down their walls. And I don't mean this figuratively. I mean, in some senses, literally. Right. Tear down their walls so that folk will 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 be more 
apt to 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 see what's going on and not wonder. You know, I'm not going to go through a door if I have to wonder what's on the other side. But if I can see mm. what's on that other side, I'm more apt to, to go into that door. So with me personally, my church is one of those churches. And it used to be a, a neighborhood church. The, uh, it was a part of the neighborhood. My, my late pastor, Reverend Dr. Roscoe C. Wilson, um, March did everything. Thing. We had the meetings there. Every meeting you would talk about, people would, our church would be the first church to get there, um, so that candidates would come to, uh, to be a part of when they were running. And um, so we were very active. Now, with the onset of the 501c3 nonprofit statuses, a lot of our churches do not get involved in the political activism. Mm. within the communities for fear of losing that status because there is a very direct line in in, in what you can and cannot do if you have that um, nonprofit status. Right. So when COVID hit, my pastor, who in the beginning, he, he wasn't too sure about coming because he was my new pastor. My old pastor is deceased. Once my new pastor, COVID came and my new pastor started, and he's been there for 10 or 10, 15 years. He's really saw the need. He saw me. He saw our neighbors. He saw us out there working and he joined in. The what our churches should be doing is being out in the community, mm. serving the community, feeding the sick, sheltering the homeless, teaching how, and, and taking it to a whole nother level, teaching them how to not be in those situations again, opening their doors to educational opportunities for our communities to uplift these communities. You never look down on a man unless you are picking him up. Mm. So if you had to look down on somebody, make sure you extend that hand and, and, and help them. That is what our, our, our churches should be doing to, um, to uplift our communities, um, go having just doing cookouts, free food, yeah. um, going into the the surrounding apartment complexes, mm -hmm. and setting setting up under a tree, just setting up under a tree, and and let the people come to you and say, well, what are you doing, and share the love. Walking through and see, you know, one of the prime examples of people going out into the neighborhoods are the Jehovah Witnesses. Mm. Now they go out, we and I know, I know, I used to, I used to peep through the window, but then I started going out and having mm. these conversations because my faith is so strong that you can't change my faith. Right. 
But we can have a conversation so that I can see your perspective. But now if you're not strong enough to do that, I don't think people should do that. But if you're strong enough, then learn other perspectives. But get into the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Get out there with the children. Run, toss balls. Right. Um, Shoot. Go through it with boxes of socks, books. Go into the schools. Mm-hmm. That was a time when you had the school, the church, and the community. Those three things. Working together. Working together to create success wow. out of children back then who look like children now. Wow, wow, wow. They look like children now, but it was just a different concept. Hmm. It's not new. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. Um, we, we got some more to talk about in our next segment. But we are listening, you're listening to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. We're talking to Miss Regina E. Williams. She is the president of the Booker Washington Heights community. Um, she's just giving us some history, some, some feedback, some advocacy strategies. Um, we have some more we're going to talk about after this commercial. You are listening to Bridging the Gap radio show with Pastor Hugh J. Harmon, coming to you live from Columbia, South Carolina, bringing you hard-hitting topics, leaders in the community, businessmen and women, and faith leaders that are making a difference. If you're a bridge builder and you would love to get your story heard on this network, Never Had It So Good Gospel 107 FM and Never Had It So Good Sports Network, contact us at hjvharmon at gmail.com or kingdombookinggift at gmail.com or fellowship at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon, on this new segment with Miss Regina E. Williams. She is the recent Jefferson Award winner on Watch Fox for her community activism and we have her here as a guest on our show, and we are so excited to conclude this interview and to just find out some more and to pick her brain a little bit more on how we can make a difference in our communities as individuals. You are the epitome of a bridge builder. Your story speaks for itself. The Jefferson Award is just an affirmation of that work that you've been involved in for quite some time. Um, you are someone that is familiar to many stakeholders in the city, um, including law enforcement. You've heard of and seen a number of national initiatives and debates about the solution or the pros and cons of community policing, given all the different national news headlines that we've heard in the Black Lives Matter movement and the marches and protests, etc., Taking North and Central Columbia and being familiar with some of the issues in our local metropolitan areas, what would you say are the strategies of community policing that work and should be considered in our local community? Because I believe when we look at police community, community relations and community policing, it really has to be 
prescribed and customized for your community. So what works for our area, in your opinion? Okay, I'm glad that you asked that. We recently had um, a peace walk in our neighborhood, and it really has become um, become a, a yearly event. We had to stop because of COVID. But um, we have the best officers in our area because of the community policing. Now, mm. oftentimes I have to stand my ground because I, we have those who say, who, who want to think differently. Right. But I'm going to stand my ground and support our officers because I hear things like defund the police. Well, who are you going to call when you defund them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people say, well, we don't mean defund, but use some of the monies to go someplace else and all of that. That's a whole nother topic. But what our officers do, our officers listen. And I'm talking about the city of Columbia and the Richland County Sheriff's Department. They listen. They listen to, to the citizens. Um, they also build strong relationships. They're out there in the community. They're not afraid to stop mm-hmm. and, and say, and, and, you know, have books or something in the car or, or groceries or something to give to families. If I call and ask them to check on an elderly person, they mm-hmm. will do that. Another important thing that, that we have to do with the police officers is they have to tell their story. Mm. Because what I'm saying, folk don't know that they carry boxes of food in their car. Wow. They don't know that they collect monies to um, to have cookouts for children or uh, if something happens in the neighborhood at night and a child is involved, that they call that school principal. Mm. Or they call the resource officer at the school and let them know so-and-so had a bad night. This is what happened. So that, so they've got to tell their story. Wow. Also, and that you can do, they can do that. They do that via social media. And finally, they need to be transparent. Now, I don't think we've gotten to this part yet where we actually use the cameras that the officers have and attach the video to stories or to things that are going on. We're not at that point yet, Mm -hmm. but that would tremendously help because then people will say, well, they had, they would stop saying they had time to, to, to edit the film. Right. Right, right. Wow, wow. So I, I think those things. Mm-hmm. It takes bravery and courage to stand up for police in this hour. In this <laughs> it take it does. It does. Um, I have family members that are police, not here in the United States, in in my native homeland, Barbados. One of my uncles, close uncles that I grew up with, almost like a older brother. He is actually uh like an inspector. It's considered like a a commissioner of police were in Barbados. So mm. he's been doing that for many years. Um, and, you know, he's not, he's not a, he's a man of very few words. 
Um, he is a spiritual man because he was a deacon of his, at his church for many years. This is He didn't become a deacon. He's always been a deacon even before becoming a police officer. And so um, I know a story of his where he was he was confronted by a known criminal who attempted to take his life and in a snaps in a, with a, a, a finger snap decision, he had to take the man's life. And uh-huh. I, I spoke to him about this happened many years ago, but he is still going through counseling for that. And so people think it's easy to pull a trigger on a human being. And this man that that attacked him was a hardened criminal and was attempting to take his life. Um, so I, I understand it personally, the challenges that police face, getting dressed, putting on a bulletproof vest, taking a gun, strapping it on their hip and going out there day in, day out to patrol communities against some people that really don't care for police. And so hearing these things about what makes community policing works is important for our community to hear so we can keep the dialogue going. Uh, Another area of concern, or rather area of public discourse that I know is near and dear to your heart is the area of public education. That's where we met. That's where you've had your longest stint or work in. What would you say are three key areas of concern that we face as a community right here in Columbia, right here in the metro, and in this state when it comes to public education? Three key areas um, of concern for for me and a lot of other teachers, retired teachers, um, for me personally, growing teachers from our communities. Mm. Um, having the the teacher cadet programs in as early as as um, middle school, right, right, uh, and start growing, giving these children that that mindset of education and educating and seeing uh, younger children grow from what they are imparting into them. Another. Um, area is appropriate special education mm. appropriate uh helping and uh, helping the families know the laws you know and i'll say this and hopefully this will be, just because your child is in special education doesn't mean your child has to stay in special education absolutely once your child meets those goals your child can you can graduate that child out of special education. Special education doesn't always mean that you're in a class set away from everybody because it's the least restrictive environment first. Mm. So first, your child is in a class with everyone and they take that child out. You know, that, that's, my, that's, my, that's my baby. Right. And a lot of parents do not let their children get this individualized attention because of the stigma mm. and the misinformation. When this, these uh, types of educational settings could be just what your child needed at that particular point. Wow. And the final thing is the respect of teachers during this time. 
Now, I mean respect from the top levels in the school district. Mm-hmm. The respect from um, and, and moving on down. The respect for educators and treating them as if they have, you know, their own families at home. Right. But but I understand, you know, with treating them with empathy. What if it were me? And you don't get a lot of that now. A lot of times we have folk who get so caught up into their positions that they want to show that they have a position and they press down hard on these teachers Mm. who are really the hardest workers in the system. They are. And that, for that reason, um, I, along with uh, one of my partners, Veronica Primus, we're working very hard for teachers because we're retired. And it's almost like you can't do anything to us now, <laughs> but we can certainly advocate for our teachers who are still there because we need them and we want them to know that we respect them, we love them, and someone is out here working for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that, for that. And I think, you know, those that are listening, especially non-educators, because there's so much debate and discourse out there. Everybody thinks they could do the job of the teacher. Everybody thinks they could do better than the teacher. Everybody thinks that the teacher don't know what they're doing. Everybody (laughs) thinks the teacher is not doing enough. You know, all those different factors come into play. And as somebody who's been in the classroom and has heard it all, I understand. And I've been in the, I've been in the office in the administrative offices and heard the feedback and had to take parents off of their ledges and teachers off of their ledges and just get everybody back on the same space and get parents to understand that it is more than what you see and more than you can understand. It's not just your child in the class. There's there's at least 20 other kids that this person is attempting to move from point A to point uh, along a trajectory as close as they can to point Z. Um, I think I already know the answer to this question, but I want to hear your public opinion on this and what you understand from <laughs> legislation that's been, you know, going around the state house and our state government. And I, you know, <laughs> I'm coming from a kind of, you know, where I come from. So where do you stand on school choice and education vouchers for low income families? What's your thought on that? Okay. I contrary to well, I'm I am for school choice within certain parameters. Correct. I totally agree with um school choice if it is just the per pupil expenditure. Absolutely. I'm for it. Now if it is, if you're trying to take all of the fundings that's coming, no, you, you can't, you can't do that. But if it's the per pupil expenditure and if the charter or, or private school has to have some of the same um, rules and laws and follow the same 
things that the public schools have to follow. I am, I am in favor of it. What I'm not in favor of is uh, discrimination right. and creating, you know, back, back when we first started, started um, seg- segre- desegregation. You had a lot of white teachers leaving the public schools and going to churches that were starting their own schools. Mm. And so they would work in these church schools until they realized they were not getting their money, their their years of service, Mm -hmm. and they couldn't retire. So then you would see all these old white teachers coming back into the public school system Mm -hmm. so that they could get their retirement years. Wow. And and that's because, you know, there are certain things that that you just don't get. You can't get them. It is not available. (laughs) You don't you don't get them. And, you know, they're telling stories. They're saying, well, um, you can come. I, and I know for a fact that you can go to a, a private school, but if you your child has to have certain therapies, certain types of, of special need, you're going to have to the pay for those school, things yourself. Yeah, the private school does not have any obligation to follow special ed uh, guidelines. And, and I know it's federal, and I understand that, but you make a choice when you pull your child out of public school. And put them into a private school. You make the choice of now. You're a private institution is like a private business. They do not have to follow the federal guidelines in terms of special ed. You will no, to, right. You then right. gotta you know negotiate with the school, and they gotta they may they may throw a little couple dollars your way. They may offer you something, but it's not gonna equal what you are. Uh, required to receive at a public school, not at all. Not, not not at all. And if you um, you know, if you can't afford it, then and now, but uh, if it is a public charter school, mm-hmm. there's a difference. So when these folk are leaving and flocking to these various schools, make sure you know whether it is a private school or if it is a public charter school and even then with the public charter schools there's still some limitations i'll tell you that because i know it (laughs) there's some limitations still um there are some limitations if you don't know how the system works right and if if you go there and you're Uh not a savvy parent Uh and and they they run the game on you Exactly. You be, be out there in the streets looking crazy. Looking but, um, crazy. And um, then trying to get back into the public school. Absolutely. No, you can't be flipping back and forth like that. Nah, it doesn't work. You're right. Once you right. go, you go. But now here, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. If, if our communities are savvy mm-hmm. and they start this school choice, of course our, our um, some of our schools are going to be more prone to have more students leave. So that gives you a smaller student body. So what do you do? You make that school the school you want it to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I'm going to throw a little caveat in here. And and I believe strongly I'm, I'm a school choice advocate as well. But 
I'm not just an advocate of one type of school choice. <laughs> I am an advocate of parents and communities getting together and creating strong homeschooling networks within our communities where we are we are building up our own kids and making sure that they are really equipped for for that world out there and you know in a school choice community you see some things and you 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 a certain group in this country are are so far ahead mm-hmm. <laughs> another group Mm-hmm. Uh, certain things. When I was in New York City and we would take our students and I was a teacher for, for this August would be 25 years. When I started in New York and we would take our students on trips, New York is, you know, New York is the spot. There's almost a thousand different museums you could take your children to in the spring once it gets, the weather gets nice outside and you could start taking kids to um learning experiences beyond the school walls and we will be in these museums and seeing all these parents of the other persuasion with their kids in strollers and like my god there's so many of them in here and somebody whispered and said their kids don't go to school this is how they go to school they are homeschooled and they spend most of their days in a museum one week they're at this museum, the next week they're at another museum, the next week they're at this library, the next week they're at this art uh, place. And, you know, once they get their child to take the state test, they're good. And those kids are doing wonderfully on the college entrance exams. We need to get, we need to have, make that an option for our families that are just not comfortable with their kids being in uh in a space that they don't feel the kids are safe in. Well actually we do have one school like that here in um the Columbia area mm-hmm. and that school takes no federal dollars. Wow. And they are operating and teaching those children. It is amazing. And you don't hear a lot about them because you don't have to. They're putting out excellence. Wow, wow. Something just happened with your volume. Really? Yeah, you just went, you just went like a whisper, like you're in a tunnel. But okay. we, we're almost finished. We're almost there. We're gonna take a break right now. We come back and close out this interview. I want to thank Miss Regina E. Williams, again, the president of the Booker Washington Heights community. Um, uh, an activist, the, the most recent Jefferson Award winner on Watch Fox, um, for just taking some time out to talk with us today about a number of things. And when we get back, we're going to conclude this interview and find out what she's doing next. You're watching Bridging the Gap or listening to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. We'll be right back after this. You are listening to Bridging the Gap a subsidiary of H2 Media Enterprises. That is H2 Media Enterprises. We have a two-for-one deal for you today. You can be advertised here on Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor UJ Harmon, and also be marketed and advertised in our newest publication, Restore Magazine. 
which is offered throughout the Midlands and surrounding region, both in digital and print. And so if you're interested in that two for one deal for $250 per month, you'll be featured in the next issue of Restore Magazine and you'll be featured on every broadcast of Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon, as much as we are played throughout the month. Again, that is a two-for-one deal, radio advertising and print advertising in our newly released Restore magazine, which is now in our third issue. We are in our March issue right now as we speak. If that is something you're interested in, please reach out to us at h2media at hjvharmon at gmail.com. That is h-j-v-h-a-r-m-o-n at gmail.com or Kingdom Book and Gift at gmail.com. Spell it all out. Kingdom Book and A N D G I F T at gmail.com. And we look forward to you working with us to develop that two for one contract advertising both on air and on our print and digital format magazine called Restore. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. We are at the conclusion of our time together today with Miss Regina E. Williams, a powerful interview about community activism, education, about just um, community policing, all the different things you could think about in her leisure of activities that she's been involved in now that she is in a space called retirement. Although she's retired, she's still working. Uh, (laughs) Would you give a single mother as a pastor? It's unavoidable. Like you said, single parenting didn't start yesterday. It's not a new thing. It's, uh, it's been around. We've had it in our community for quite some time. What advice would you give to single mothers that are working to make the best for their families and you know, have a lot of dreams and aspirations, but may, you know, maybe in a place where they haven't garnered the education that they should have at the time they got pregnant in school? You know, what would you say to them to keep going? To that single mother, I would say, um, connect yourself to a, a good church home, a, a good faith, faith-based faith uh, home. Also, the most important thing I think a single mother could, can do is to create a village. Create a village by choosing five people you can trust. If you're stuck at work and someone in your child is sick, what person can you call on to go get your child who will make sure your child is safe? And now from a very personal experience, I will say this. Single women do not have people in and out of your homes over your children. Treat your children as if they are kings and queens and you are growing kings and queens. Nobody comes before your child. 
Not that you don't want to trust, but your priority is the safety of your children. And know that this time does not last always. Before you know it, they'll be 18 and grown, headed towards college. Wow, wow. Thank you, thank you for that. And this is our last question for the day. What are some things that we ought to be looking out to hear about Miss Regina E. Willem? What are you doing now that we should be looking out for that I need to encourage the bridge builders to follow you through on or follow up for? Okay, so right now um, I've been very blessed and and I don't I don't take any of these things lightly. Uh, to I've been blessed to to be connected with people who have funding or who want to educate folk on funding and about evictions and how to get evictions off your records, expungement, how to get expungements off. A lot of people believe that if they've been to jail, they can't vote. That's not true. Um, just educating folk on uh, some of these. Uh, misnomers. Also, I am working, and I've said this before, with with a um, partner, Veronica Primus, on the mental health of our educators and first responders mm. and creating uh, programs. We have one coming in March, and you'll hear more about that. Um, creating programs to help them to, to know how to seek help, how to relax, how to gain their confidence back when they are beat down so. We know what it means. We've experienced it. How do you get your groove back, as mm. Stella used to say? Right, right. <laughs> how do you get your groove back? And that's what we're wanting to do. And then the other thing I'm doing is... Um, just paying close attention, being available for our county and city council, our mayor, to help to create a, um, a build a camaraderie. We had a rough, very rough last election. Right. And I'll just be very honest and say that last election was lost because we did not go out and vote. Mm. Wow. Now that has happened. That's water under the bridge. Where do we move from here? Right. You cannot keep looking in a rear view mirror. So now I'm working, calling. Okay, we need this over here. Did you know this was happening over here? And talking with our representatives. And I'm blessed enough that, that they kind of listen to what I have to say, not that they act upon what I want them to do, but they at least know that a problem exists. And so that's what I'm doing now, just being available and being available to our children, being available to your listeners. Um, if it's something that you think I can do, I, I can always give you the resources, you know, show you, tell you who to go to. But you have to pick up your feet and do the work. Wow. Wow. 
Thank you so, so much. Yes. Thank, thank you. So you. Much. Uh, thank there, you so much for having me. No problem. How, how can we follow honor. you on Facebook or, or do you have Facebook or Instagram or anything like that for our viewers if they want to support some initiative? Or is there a Facebook or an Instagram site that they should, that you will point them to, et cetera? I'm just Regina E. Williams on Facebook. Okay, That's great. all. I'm I'm just Regina E. Williams. And right now I'm I'm not like accepting a, a lot of new friends because mm-hmm. of of this this stuff that's going on with cyber yes yes cyber stuff but um you can always go to my page and see what's happening and jump in oh tuesdays four o'clock we're down across from the comet bus station started out feeding maybe 15 people now we're feeding 200 people every tuesday free food come join us what time again is that four o'clock Four o'clock on Tuesdays at across Tuesday. from the on a comic bus station. If you on are Sumter. hungry, if you know someone that's hungry and needs food down on Sumter, please, 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 Tuesdays, four o'clock, get them down there, and maybe that can change the trajectory of their Hugh. life. Hugh, yes. not if they're just hungry. If they're coming home from work and they want to stop by. Hey, you said any, it. Anybody. Anybody. It's a community cookout. Yes. Anybody. anybody no big guys and little youths. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Ms. Regina Williams, we thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you. We appreciate you giving us this time, giving us your thoughts and opinions. And we look forward to meeting with you and, and collaborating with you, connecting with you in the very near future. Have a blessed day. Thank you. And I, again, I am honored and peace and blessings to you and your listeners. Thank you. God bless. You were listening to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. We have a guest on today, Miss Regina E. Williams, the president of the Brooker, Brooker Washington Heights community and also just a community activist at large and somebody who has been involved in education for over 30 years. And we were just picking her brain on on a number of things, education-wise, community activism, politics, et cetera. And I hope that what you heard today was informative, inspirational, empowering, and you will tune in the next time that we gather for Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. Thank you for listening to Bridging the Gap with Pastor Hugh J. Harmon, featured here weekly on Never Had It So Good Sports Network a Columbia-based show with global impact. Thank you again for listening to us, to Bridging the Gap with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. We are a Columbia-based show, but we believe we have a global impact. Thank you, Bridge Builders. We look forward to seeing you next week. Tune in to the Bridging the Gap radio show. Hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Be a part of this challenging but life-changing show discussing men versus males, educational issues, parenting tips, and learning how to be faithful in trying times. That's the Bridging the Gap radio show. Hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. 
Call in and be a part of the show at 347-855-8867 on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Remember, positive communication is the key to success. Powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network.